welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks News Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the red to my Adelaide is Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I am good. Yeah, and our very own text. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Oh, man. I can't remember which one that is. Oh, it's the... It's, it was, you just grunt. Don't worry about it. What, spoilers. So, uh, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it later. The, uh, um, and this, and this is us, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, all right. So, <laughs> this is us, my favorite TV show. The... Psych. Um, all right. Gross. Psych, my favorite TV show. This, this week, uh, these things happened. You ready? Let's Michael Kendrick's sentencing was in postponed indefinitely. You know, as a betting man, I'm sure that he was on top of that. Um, I don't really understand like so it means that he could go to jail anytime but it's uh not not soon so that's cool i guess clearly michael kendrick's gets to take part in the rich man's legal system well it will also good uh, sentencing may also happen august 23rd okay. you never know it's we won't have quite, to pay him quite a ways in the future i'm uh, just saying we have a good three-man linebacking crew right now yeah how about, yeah i think we might have one of the best linebacking crews in the whole league like in terms of like putting three linebackers on the field uh condotas condotas Condota, 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 Bob Bob Condota. He said that the best thing that the Seahawks did to negotiate for uh, with Bobby for re-signing was that we signed KJ Wright. That's a fact. Um, So, are you guys excited? More excited about the KJ Wright signing, knowing knowing that 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 relationship might get us closer to locking down Bobby long term. I was pretty stoked at the terms. So, I mean, this yeah, it's this is icing on the cake. I didn't think we were going to get him back. I was like, we're not paying him $10 million a year. He doesn't deserve a raise. The terms were awesome enough, but this is pretty dope. Uh, this kind of already baked in. That was something I assumed. Bobby Wagner kind of likes having that continuity, and KJ was right-hand man. So uh, this isn't new information to me. Uh, all right. Sports hernia surgery for Baldwin in April. Eric, are you worried about the preponderance of in- injuries that have plagued Doug Baldwin for the past Absolutely, year? I am. Um, this so draft went from, I don't want to draft a wide receiver. We might get one late off of like you know an unrestricted free agent to, I would not be surprised if we took them with our second overall pick, wherever that stands. The third the third round pick? Yeah, or you know, trade happens. I, I'm still holding out for a trade, not because I want it, but because I want it and I think it's going to happen. I just think the Seahawks are going to see like a guy they grade as like an A or like a whatever. I don't know what grading system they use, you know, but like they see an A, they're going to see an A plus guy when they pick and they're going to be like, well, we got to take him. It's just because there's a lot of talent at positions of need for the Seahawks right now, like top end talent. All right. Kevin, do you ha- are you worried about Doug or you think it's fine? I'm not especially worried. He's got some mileage on him. He's a little banged up. I think we just have to adjust to a new reality where there's a good chance he misses a game or two a year. All right, I have two related stories. First one, Seahawks legend Malik McDowell was cleared by an independent doctor to play football. <laughs> um, Eric, are you are you keen to Drew Rosenhaus' scam to try to get his client money? <laughs> <laughs> I read that article too, and I was like, why did we cut him? Oh, well, maybe he's not cleared. It's you got to read between the lines. Yeah, um, this is fake news. He was cleared by an independent doctor, so a chiropractor <laughs> in Auburn no, said no, no, he's no, good. It's, it's it's the weed doctor for sure. It's the guy that you when you go to like getroman.com, It's the guy who pops up in the chat box in the corner. It's guys, the, you know who he it was is? Cleared by WebMD. It's Drew, the essential Drew oils guy. Drew Rosen, <laughs> the essentials oil guy. Drew Rosen, <laughs> Rosenhouse went to that website and was like, "Is my client okay to play football if he uses essential oils?" And they were like, "Yes." He was like, "Perfect." Um, okay, 
Uh, last one. Use lemon uh, and peppermint for drastic head injuries. Just align his chakra. Uh, Nick Perry, the Packers player, was has visited the Seahawks. He was released. Which ex-Packer would you rather have, Kevin? Nick Perry or Jordy Nelson? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Jordy hey. Nelson, I believe, signed. Did Jordy Nelson sign? I thought he did. And, yeah. I, and I just missed it? I didn't think he uh, I didn't think he had yet. Oh, he signed um no, no, he has not. Oh, okay, so it was just heavily rumored. Um yeah. I'd rather have Jordy Nelson. Okay. But I think Nick Perry'd be fine. Okay. And Nick Perry also remember with that game where he just vaporized the Seahawks? Sure. That when we had like the worst offensive line of all time. But let's not let's that, not one game yeah, scout. The big thing is he plays uh was, but yeah, it was so sweet though. He plays three four edge. I don't think that he'd be a true outside linebacker, or a true. I don't think he'd be a true out, uh, strong side linebacker. Nor would he be a true defensive end for us. So he's kind of in a tweener role. I mean, I think he could do what Jacob Martin does. Sure, but we but, have Jacob Martin. But I, I and Jacob Martin is cheaper. And rather, uh, okay, well, cheaper maybe, but not by a lot. Nick Perry's going to come pretty cheap, I bet. And two better. Nick Perry, outside of the injuries, is, was a very effective pass rusher. He hasn't eleven. I didn't say sack better. Season. I said younger. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say he's an eleven sack season under his belt. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. No, he's solid. He's an interesting player, and he won't count against our comp picks. Uh, nope. I wouldn't. I wouldn't kick him out of roster. But like, you know, I'm just saying, if you're, if you're giving me the two to choose from. <laughs> All right, Eric. Who would you pick, Nick Perry or Jordy Nelson? Steve Perry. Well, thank you, Kevin. Obviously, Steve Perry. He's got his voice back. Um. Uh, right now, you just you already asked me the Doug Baldwin question. Now I feel like I have to say Jordan Nelson. <laughs> Jordy Nelson. <laughs> right. You're happy. I'm actually with you guys, Jordan Nelson, but it's by a hair. I like Nick Perry. I think that if we signed both of these guys, I would be very pleased with the direction of our offseason. I agree, but it, you didn't list that as an option. It was provide solid veteran debt. So there, what I'm saying, there was no wrong choices. You guys <laughs> could have picked anything, and I would have been happy with it. Much like we tell our students, you just have to justify your answer in a logical way. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think both, both are good okay uh finally uh seahawk there's all these stories out there like seahawks visit with this prospect seahawks visit with this prospect. what i would re- remind people is that they're gonna visit with a lot of guys and don't read too much into that it's- yeah seahawks also talking to quinn and williams guess who won't be there yeah quinn and williams um all right maybe actually that that gentleman's just delightful and i'd want a conversation with him too all right eric i know you've been waiting for this moment the gronk retired Okay. Yeah. The, the king, the king, the party king, the super yo, pro. Yo soy fiesta Mr. forever. Mr. 69, yo soy fiesta. Do you, do you, how much are you going to miss, miss Gronkowski and what's your favorite Gronkowski story? Or Gronkowski memory, maybe. How much am I going to miss him? Chances are he'll be on the WWE <laughs> within the next year. I, I'm not going to miss him By too much. By year, you mean week? Yes. Well, <laughs> he's going to be at WrestleMania next. Yeah. Next yeah. Year, he'll, you know. he'll, yes. He'll cut a promo in no time. Uh, my favorite memory is when they did a little, uh, one of the mini E60 reports on Rob Gronkowski. It was like six years ago. And they were like, his parents love him and still treat him like the little child. And like, oh, we love you, Robbie. He's like, I love you too, mom. And then it was like. Their, their family is like really close. Yes. It's like, it's like an endearing. It's but then, super endearing. But then after, immediately after that, it was like, and what does his mother think about him dating a porn star? And his mom's like, well, he's a he's an attractive young man, and every woman wants to be with him. And then it cuts to him, and he goes, actress. 
she's an actress. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite Rob Gronkowski story. Uh, Gronk's the best. Okay, Kevin, do you, do you have a do you have a Gronk memory or? A- okay, so uh, my favorite thought associated with Rob Gronkowski would have to be um, the Gronking to Remember story. <laughs> it meant a lot to this I podcast. I still reference that in life on occasion. Sad we never got a copy. Okay. <laughs> um, That's a good one. And what, So Gronking to Remember, if you don't know, is like a, a Rob Gronkowski-based fan, fan fiction sex novel that was sold on on, uh, on eBay. Or on, I'm sorry, on Amazon. And we, we read snippets from the book on this podcast. <laughs> And it was as it was amazing and terrible as you would imagine. Um, it was truly a gronking to remember. <laughs> uh, but my favorite football-related memory for him is, because I'm a Seahawks fan, Earl Thomas lighting him up over yeah, the middle. he got destroyed. It's like the biggest hit he took in his whole career. Physically impossible. Uh, yes, he, like he specifically referenced it as being a hit that he did not like taking. <laughs> okay, so Gronk replies to, to every tweet with the number 69 in it with nice. He uh, put 69 on the back of his practice jersey with masking tape. He, after he caught a 68th tracks down, he could not stop laughing when Justina Anderson asked him if he was excited to catch number 69. <laughs> but my favorite, my favorite 69 Gronk story, and this is why I like, I like to joke about 69 so much, is partially Gronk inspired. This is from his high school basketball coach. This is a true story. So we're playing a home game and we have 68 points. Now it's not a blowout, but it's not a really close game either. So Gronkowski gets fouled and he goes to the free throw line. He hits the first one to get us to 69 and the place goes nuts because he's playing into it. On his next free throw, he purposely chucks the ball off the backboard as hard as he can and misses, so the score would say at 69, then runs back on defense, pointing to the scoreboard. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, it's... it's um, he's, Gronk, Gronk is the lovable idiot in uh, in your high school. He's like the guy that you're moderately embarrassed of, but he's just so nice. You don't by the care. way, his high school bio said... Hobbies, working out, playing sports, chicks. <laughs> like he, that sums it up, man. He was, just, didn't he go to Arizona State University? He's an idiot. That's the biggest party college there yeah. is. I, I, but you know what? Good for him. Like this dude he, knows his life and he lives his best life. He stays in his lane. He knows who he is. He's just a goofball. He's an, kind of a goober. Um, he seems like a perfectly nice guy. Well, they talk about living him, your best life. They're talking about Gronk. Everyone meets him. Says he's really fun to be around. Like he doesn't seems to he doesn't seem to be like one of those guys who's going to end up with like a oh he he hits you know. He gets angry and hits people like he just he's just a nice lovable guy he retired, he retired at 30 so that he's not completely busted down he can right. still enjoy life he's still gonna enjoy his good life for him and he's gonna he should be a hall of famer immediately I'm there's pro, no debate i'm pro gronk plus this makes the patriots worse so i'm really pro this retirement <laughs> like in every single way i'm i love gronk he no longer is a patriot which is just a huge plus for me he's been their best wide receiver six of his nine seasons most yeah. oh nice, nice kevin nice um, so yeah, it just just all I'm all about Gronk. Gronk is a he's a fun guy, and like Eric said, can't wait to see him on WWE television every single WrestleMania uh, two weeks week. Um, then uh, rules changes. You now can challenge uh, offensive or defensive pass interference. Uh, do you guys? What do you guys think? Is that um, 32 out of 32 teams voted they need to change replay? So this was the change they made. Eric, uh, Kevin, what do you think? There's something that people keep bringing up that I think is the dumbest thing ever. Somebody. In response to this, one of the talking heads, and I can't remember which one because they're all the same, said that this was going to make the game take longer. They get the same number of challenge flags. How the hell is this going to make the game take longer? That doesn't make any sense. Another thing, too, is people are like, it's going to make the game take longer. Okay, here's how you do it. Here's how you make it not take longer. You ready for this? I'm going to fucking blow your guys' mind. You ready? What you do is anytime there's a challenge, 
you inset the challenge into the top corner of the screen and show ads on the outside, which we've seen the NFL do before. Now you have more ad time and absolutely. you can absolutely shorten other ad breaks to make up for it. And you yep, probably will have more ad total breaks. ad times. So it's the the fact that NFL doesn't win, win. doesn't try to creatively win. work around this problem is like is there so This is not soccer where the clock never stops. Like well, it's, it's so stupid. It's so stupid to see Joe Buck analyze a call or whatever announcer analyze a call that we can see clearly the ball touched the ground and they're like i don't know if i can see it from that angle i can see it from the angle let's see that. what about what about that quit trying to add drama to something that doesn't or the, or it. when a guy gets murdered on a play and they don't call pass interference yep, and then yeah. and then he's like yeah i, I tried to do pass in- so wait, real <laughs> that was the best part when the the cornerback wait i tried to do pass interference and uh, i guess i got away with this one like i was i didn't want them to score a touchdown on the play did like, you that uh, was the right play to make <laughs> can you challenge a non-call that's my question so would this have saved the same i don't believe you can challenge a non-call you can you can okay. okay. So can that's challenge on a not called pass interference and on a called pass. Interference. Okay, that was what was unclear the last and, time and, I was reading. So oh, man, Pete Carroll's gonna blow so, this. Uh, also, like thirty <laughs> out of thirty-two teams, I think, are in favor of some kind of sky judge, a person who can pull a challenge at any time uh, for up for review. Which I mean, I think that that's fine. That should be happening. We all have HD TVs now, and it's hard to watch football and have bad calls and be able to clearly see it on my television. It was different back in the day when I was watching it on like a tube TV and I couldn't really tell. And it took a Vinny Testaverde non-touchdown right. to know that they screwed up. Right. It had to be like Quiet. really egregious, right? But now it's like I can totally tell what the right call should be and there's no reason we can't just get all the calls right. Um, now, do I want the refs to do most of the calls because it keeps the game moving quicker? Absolutely. But they're... I'm thinking as long as we can make work it in where it's not going to be a super obstruction obstructive. I don't I don't see why see what matters at all. Not then, to mention, I think it adds a fun strategy when teams are like, I think we got away with one. Let's get up there and snap it. Let's have a play prepped. This is our play for when we think we got away with one. Finally, Gronk Gronk retired, so I want to punch the Patriots one more time while they're down. Robert Kraft's not accepting a plea deal. He's going down with the ship, and I'm I'm here for it. Well, that's the second time he's gone down. He's also trying well, to, maybe, he's trying to keep his video from being released. So that sounds like an innocent guy Yeah, to me. well, I think his lawyers can give him a hand with that. Um, it's the second time nice. someone gave him a hand. Yeah, exactly. I'm going with all the, the um, okay, anyway. Uh, nice. This this week, our uh, Seahawks-related topic of coverage, before we're getting close to the draft, guys. We're, we're like two weeks out, right? Um, so we are getting, we are... Let me let me let me Google that. There, so, there are more Google, weeks than that. No, there's four weeks out. Yes. Sorry, but we're we're gonna. This is gonna be our last position specific preview. After this, we're gonna talk more specific draft strategy because we're combining all the positions left into one. Mostly because I don't think the Seahawks are gonna draft anyone at these positions. Let's talk about who's already on the roster. Tight ends: Nick Vanette, Will Disley, Ed Dixon, and Tyrone Swoops. Uh, quarterbacks: Russell Wilson and Paxton Lynch. Running backs: Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, J.D. McKissick, C.J. Procise, Bo Scarborough, and Trey Madden. Bo Scarborough. Oh, that's right. Okay. I got Bo Scarborough. I put that in the group chat. You forgot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You forgot since earlier today, Eric. Uh, I didn't. That, I was Kevin. Brett started posting pictures of his kid, and I lost track of stuff. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, okay, <laughs> Bo, Bo Scarborough though. He's a he's a guy. Um, so these positions all seem pretty set with what's on the roster of these three positions. I'm gonna start with Eric. We're gonna go around the table. What of the three do you think is the most likely to have an addition by the Seahawks? Running back. Why? Absolutely. Well, we lost Mike Davis. We needed a new Mike Davis. 
uh, as I told Kevin, you know, we'd make a pretty cool Mike Davis replacement, Marshawn Lynch. That's not going to happen, I don't think. Um, I think it would be a great addition. They're playing in Oakland again this season, Eric. I'm pretty sure he's only there's only one team he'd play for. Well, I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, San Francisco. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, but I I do feel like the Seahawks are going to create more draft picks for themselves this year, and that means that we'll probably have maybe a a fifth, sixth round pick. And I see Miles Gaskin possibly is like picked in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. I don't know if he lasts till the sixth, but uh, I, I see that totally happening. I've seen him pop up on a couple mock drafts as uh, later round picks for like Minnesota, for Seattle. Um, tight end is is a position we'll probably draft just so they piss me off. And quarterback, well, we can't just give up draft picks on worthless quarterbacks two years in a row, can we? No, probably not. I don't. Brett Hundley, that's that's for you, buddy. Paxton Lynch is a functional backup quarterback. I'm fine with that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean he sucks, but we're screwed if Russell Wilson goes down anyway. So why invest more than just like a? I mean Paxton Lynch. The thing about it is, is he got drafted high for a reason, and those reasons still exist. He's still tall. Also, he played in Denver. He's still tall. And as far as we know, Denver sucks. Still hey, has an arm. Hey Kevin, he's still tall. He is. He can throw really far. Uh, he's also uh, has a high vertical reach due to being tall. He's um, he sounds like he's rich. Did his you know, arms are long. Did you know he played basketball tall? in high school? Probably. Yeah. I I I'm just guessing. Guy. I have no idea. I mean, probably. Uh, the th- the thing about Paxton Lynch is, is is he played a system offense in college. He played Memphis played spread, and he was a system quarterback, and he was good at the system. And then he comes to the NFL, and. Uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think Elway is kind of a trash talent evaluator. Yep. All the moves he makes in Denver, he's good at the contracts part, it seems like. He gets guys to sign contracts that are very team-friendly. But his talent evaluation, I mean, the only quarterback that he's brought in that has done anything is is Peyton Manning. And I think anyone They're on earth could there. identify the fact <laughs> that Peyton Manning is good at football. I think you could... I think you could put Peyton Manning right now with like five neck surgeries deep on like six NFL teams and need upgrade their quarterbacks, including he, his brother's team. He, yeah, oh, definitely the Giants. That's number one on the list. Buffalo would have two, three more wins. <laughs> Josh, serious, Allen. serious, dude. The, it'd be like when you have the like the kickoff specialist. They bring in Josh Allen if you have to throw it really deep. If you have to throw more than twenty yards, can't keep Peyton Manning the rest of the time. <laughs> Peyton Manning is he's our throw-off he's just, specialist. He just knows how to play football. But that's the thing. John, John Oway has had a lot of trouble. He signed a quarterback last year. That was bad. Then he traded actual draft assets to get Joe Flacco, which is not smart. Um, so, yeah, all around, I'm giving him an F-minus in quarterback evaluation so far in his career. That's He's a legend, though. He's, he can sleep. He can go to sleep in his two Super Bowl rings and millions of dollars and not feel bad about the fact that I'm trashing him right now. All right. Uh Paxton Lynch, Lynch, still six foot seven. That's the moral of that story. So we all think that these are like low, low, low priority, at least positionally. I think we'll see a day three or priority free agent at running back and tight end. I think we'll also see a priority free agent at quarterback. But that it, that it, wouldn't be surprising, just because why not? Yeah, because like, we need a practice squad it'll, guy. It'll be the old. Uh, who was the guy from last year? Uh, that we picked in the seventh round? Alex McGee. Magoo. 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 Yeah, Alex. It'll be the old Alex Magoo. You know, they'll bring in like. I don't know. Did um, he sign elsewhere? Or did he get a DUI? It'll just be like Manny Wilkins will be on the roster at the beginning of the season for some reason, and you'll be like, "Oh, yeah, he went to Arizona State." And then <laughs> wait, who's the backup we <laughs> brought in from? Be, that'll be your reaction to that. Sign. Who's yeah. the guy we brought in who backed up Andrew Luck last year? Um, we'll, bring uh, in, we'll bring in Trace McSorley and then he'll pop up or Watson, somewhere. Eric Dungy from Syracuse. Yuck, Eric Dungy's a guy. That's 
Jake Browning. They'll bring Jake Browning. Grungy Eric Dungy. Like, that's the kind of guy we're looking at, though. Is like, the, if we bring in a quarterback, let's start with quarterback. Okay, let's just get into it. Let's do it. Uh, quarterback. So, so there's one quarterback that's really good? Free agents. We're not signing any. I'm not even going to bring it up. Uh, okay, quarterback draft prospects. Um, okay, yeah, we both like Kyler Murray. Wait, can we talk about one thing with quarterbacks? Uh, I like how Jacksonville did a great job of outbidding Jacksonville. For the one starting quarterback, twenty million. Yeah, I think I like. Do you, do you like their justification? Uh, that they, they won't respect the only potential starting quarterback in the locker room if they don't pay them two million more. Yeah, they were like, we could have got him for eighteen, but we wanted to make it clear he's our starter. Uh, That's okay. the dumbest thing I've ever. You could have signed another player for two million dollars. That's like, stupid. stupid. How do you? Or, or you could like Jacksonville you know, just I mean, name him the starter. Yeah. Jacksonville's an incredibly poorly run franchise. You're yeah, really questioning like. They they had a golden opportunity with that defense. They just needed to not resign, not pick up Blake Bortles' fifth year option. You know what they did? They picked, they up, picked up Blake Bortles' fourth year option and invested because he got injured. Like they are so stupid. Yeah, you called it. They they are like I when they picked up that option, I said this is this could come back to haunt them because if Bortles gets hurt and can't pass a physical, they will get killed on this for like nineteen million dollars. And, and they did. And they did. And they couldn't sign. And now Kirk. he's making one million dollars. Honestly, backup. Kirk Cousins, like, not the best quarterback, but if Kirk Cousins on last year's Jaguars team, they win at least eight or nine games. They're not they're not what they were last year, which was horrible. All right, Kyler Murray, though. This is what I hate about the draft the draft process for Kyler Murray. He go all throughout the combine, it's like, is he good? Is he not? We don't know. He goes to the combine, he measures 5'10. Now he's number one on everyone's draft boards. It's so stupid. He's been short his whole life. It doesn't really matter what his height is. We can look at the tape and see he's pretty good at football. He trusts his arm too much sometimes. Uh, he makes like some pretty questionable throws, but you can coach that out of him. That's not like un uncoachable, and he has ungodly athleticism and a great arm. Uh, there's nothing bad. I have nothing really negative to say except for there's not a lot of tape because he only played one year. So that, there, there's there's like slight question marks there. I if you're gonna draft a quarterback number one overall in this draft, that's the one. There you go, Kevin. Yeah, to me, he's the only guy who's gonna. He's only he's the surest thing in this draft to me, um, with one very big. Uh, caveat: If he goes to a team that isn't going to scheme to him a little, then that team is dumb, and they need to fire everyone. Because you're going to have to do something creative to give him some passing lanes and windows every once in a while. Because he is going to have a little bit of trouble. He's um, elusive. He is good at scrambling both behind the line and scrambling for yardage. He's got a very accurate arm. He's a good passer. But he does need to get a little creative with his passing lanes. You have to be willing to move the pocket around a little bit and cater to him in that and, way. And and I, I and I do really I do really want to hear him. I do think he does make questionable decisions on the football field. Like he makes some throws where I'm like, eh, shouldn't have done that one. And that but, I agree, but it's just but, kind of that gunslinger mentality. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like uh, Pat Mahomes does the same thing. Yeah, but. I, but Pat Mahomes has like a a tier like God arm, yeah, and this throw, is just like a tier A arm. Yeah, and uh, Kyler Murray, one thing I like is he 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 trusts his receivers. He'll throw to a, an area as opposed to and like trust his receivers to kind of make a play on it as opposed to trying to place the ball in like the perfect spot. And he doesn't trust all of his receivers equally. Something nope. I appreciated was like Hollywood Brown showed that he deserves that trust. He trusted Hollywood Brown implicitly. He did not trust necessarily everyone to that level. Yeah. All right, let's go Dwayne Haskins. Um, I just want to give everyone a quick scouting because I, I scouted all these guys, so I'm not I'm not gonna I'm gonna value my time here, yep. Kevin. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, I think he could be really good. You'll be helping out. Uh, you you need to John Elway. You need to teach him how to play an NFL in an NFL offense. 
Uh, he's not the Ohio State offense, and we've seen this before with guys who have come out of uh, Urban Meyer system, is that it does not prepare quarterbacks to play in the NFL right away. And I think that this could be like a Alex Smith style situation where he starts off a little slow, looks kind of meh, but then by year four or five, if he has stable coaching, he's he's actually really pretty good, like a top borderline top ten quarterback. Um, Kevin, what did you see when you watched Dwayne Haskins? Uh, I'm in a pretty similar spot. If he lands on a team that has a veteran quarterback and he can back him up for a year, I think that'd be an ideal situation. Um, I think he is solid, like over the middle on some intermediate yeah, routes. Really good intermediate thrower. Uh, he's got some. De- he's got a decent arm for the deep ball. Like he's got good arm strength. His accuracy is okay on the deep ball. Um, but you said it really well before we started talking. He'll also sometimes just like throw it five feet over a guy's head on like a three on like a three yard out route and it's kind of weird i do think that he's the best traditional pocket qb in this draft yeah the The most reliable the flat throws were like the one he specifically throws to the flat he like he does like a cam newton he has like weird the way he snaps the ball out on those throws is like sometimes really bizarre like and it doesn't it just misses wildly, and you're like, um, "Yeah, he's got I like just this saw late throw, hitch. His footwork gets bad." I just thought you saw you throw like ten throws, short throws that were really good. Why this specific throw are you struggling with? But I mean, that's something maybe you can coach. I'm not sure. He's an accurate thrower. Like I think Dwayne Haskins has a bright NFL future, but he needs to fall into a good situation. Yep. What I'd love is like to him to go to like the Giants, and then the Giants play Eli inexplicably for one more season, and then they bench uh, Penn State running back. I can't remember his name right now. Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley for the season just to make sure he doesn't get hurt. And then they're like, <laughs> next year, we're going to have Jack. We're going to suck this year. And next year, we'll have these guys. guys. So that's my dream, but that's not going to happen. All right. Drew Locke, uh, Missouri's quarterback. Um, I don't know. I think he's inaccurate. And I just that you can't teach that at an NFL level. So I didn't I'm not crazy about him. Uh, he's he's fine. I'm not going to stand on a table for Drew Locke. And I think that if you draft him in the first round, you're making a mistake. Uh, I think Drew Locke, as a late first round, early second round pick, is somebody I don't mind. He's got a huge arm. He's very, very athletic. Uh, He's fast, too. He's way faster than I thought he was. Yeah, he's a guy who can actually run for legitimate yardage and runs well behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, The thing I worry about with him, he didn't have a great receiving core his whole time at Missouri, which is partially to blame, but I do like that his accuracy trended up and he's responding well to coaching. He's another guy who, if he could sit for a year, it would probably really benefit him because I think his mechanics and everything are good. I, I do think his accuracy could like improve, it took him but for- he'll never be like a 66% accuracy guy. It, it he'll be like him, a 60 to 62 guy. In college, it took him so long to work through his progressions too. Like he, compared to like what I would expect an NFL caliber quarterback to do, like he's slow through his progressions. And yeah, it, and it's, it's hard to tell how much of that's the offense, you know? It could be, but I mean, it could just be that he, pro- he processes it, the game a little slower and makes up for it by being a really good runner. And a really and having a really strong arm, and that's well, let's be that, really strong on one statement. Uh, he's, this out of this draft, he's this year's Josh Allen. Sure, <laughs> out of this draft, I think you and I both agree that Dwayne Haskins should work out, Kyler Murray will work out, and everything else is a roll of the dice. Yeah, Drew Locke. The big rumor around him is that the Broncos are going to trade up for him, which really plays into my John can't Elway evaluate can't quarterbacks. Evaluate quarterbacks. That's. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're definitely drafting Joe Flacco behind Joe Flacco. Uh, Daniel Daniel Jones. Uh, speaking of Joe Flacco, Daniel Jones, six foot five, throw some lasers. Uh, what's not to like, Kevin? Uh, he's inaccurate. Yeah, he's wild. Uh, he's really inaccurate on deep balls. 
he he like he'll put it out there for sure that's a thing he does um his accuracy number is partially partially inflated because he didn't like he had a lot of shorter throws and like catch and run stuff um his air yards weren't great and the other thing is honestly for having a big arm he doesn't really use it that much like he underthrows things sometimes which he shouldn't which tells me that he just can't gauge the depth he should place the ball so my big thing is his pocket awareness was like not great and a lot of people have said duke's offensive line sucked last year and that he didn't trust it at all and that's why his pocket he's like all over the place like fading into guys or like not climbing the pocket the way he should and for a guy who was a three-year starter and under a quarter uh a coach who is, guru. everyone everyone loves Cutcliffe, right? They think like Cutcliffe's a great quarterbacks coach. I would have expected his senior tape to look a little better in in some of those areas. Yeah, I feel like for a guy who's been coached up well, because I think Cutcliffe has a good enough track record. We can say that this is a dude who's been coached up well as a quarterback. Uh, if this is like towards his ceiling, his ceiling's low. Okay, we're going fast on these uh, next ones. But the, the guy that we think is like a sleeper right here that people maybe are sleeping on, we both agreed, Kevin, before the podcast started. Will Greer, uh, West Virginia. Uh, what do you like about Will Greer as, as like a, like, um, you know, someone's going to get a steal from him? He's the- got a good arm. He's pretty accurate. And he can make NFL-style throws. He throws really well over 15 yards. And... The thing that's weird, though, is uh, a lot of them are, like, air it out over the shoulder catch type throws. So, like, really deep, like, goes and posts, which is not a common NFL route. So that's the one thing I'm not sure it'll translate is how good his deep ball is. And if his deep ball isn't as good as it was in college, that's going to be a problem for him. I want Wilger to go to New England, and here's why. Okay? Wilger sucks under pressure, but they New England's had a quarterback that sucks under pressure for, like, 22 years and schemed around it. So, like, because I think he could succeed in any situation where he's not going to be under siege, basically. If he's and he a, can get rid of the ball fast. Yeah. Like, he runs his progressions pretty decent. Yeah, he's, he's like, his mental processing is fine, but and but he just needs to, like, because if he's under pressure, he makes really bad decisions. Like, really bad decisions. He'll force it. He yeah. trusts his arm a lot. He just, like, makes sure we'll chuck it in there. All right, um... Tyree Jackson. Uh, I want to talk about Ryan Finley because he's the last oh. quarterback I think it could actually be oh, an NFL you, starter. Oh, yeah. You like him. Okay, go ahead. So Ryan Finley out of NC State. Uh, he's way more athletic than people think he is. Uh, he was an accurate passer. He's really good on short and intermediate throws. He's just not a great deep ball thrower. Yeah. So if you want a guy who throws everything under 20 yards well, um, this is your dude. So if you're running like a traditional West Coast style offense, this guy could come in and run it for your team. All right. You want to know why I didn't scout Ryan Finley, Kevin? Why? I saw he was 25 and was like, nah, never mind. Fair enough. I, I'm not. I'm not into the. It's it, too old. Too old for me. But that, I think that that is that's tough, man. You're a redshirt senior and you skipped a year. Like that. It's you're coming in the league really old. Like that is is rough. He's like John Kitna. Mm, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, all right. I'm out. Uh, Tyree Jackson. We both uh, do not like. I think people just got in love with the the physical tools. But if you play at Buffalo, you need to dominate your lesser competition. And uh, well. He didn't, didn't, and uh, like that. That's that's it for me. Like I want to see a quarterback dominate at that kind of level. If you play in the MAC, you need to play really good, and I just don't, I don't see it. So uh, for me, it's he's fundamentally inaccurate, and all of his numbers are inflated by throwing bombs. Like he inaccurately threw balls really, really deep, and some of them landed for touchdowns. That is why his numbers are high. 
right? There's a bunch of guys now, like, kind of at the same level. Brett Rippin, Jordan Tamu, um, Gardner Minshew, uh, Trace McSorley. Do any of these Clayton guys stick, Thorson. Do any of these guys stick out to you, Kevin, or are they all kind of... Uh, I think Gardner Minshew, Brett Rippin, Clayton Thorson, and Jared Stidham are the only ones that have a chance at really sticking on NFL roster. Out of all of them... I don't know. Do you want to talk about Gardner Minshew and I'll talk about Clayton Thorson? I was going to do Brett Rippin. Okay. Gardner so Minshew's fine. He throws into windows really well, but I have no idea what he's going to look like at the NFL level because that is offense is impossible to project. For yep. And Clayton Thorson played in one of the most conservative offenses in all of football. So even though he has some skills, I don't really know what they look like in an NFL offense. I like Brett Rippin as like the career backup slash guy who has like three really good games and gets overpaid. Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> the, so here's, here's what Brett Rippin's going to do. One, he's got zippy, he's got arm strength. He's zippy throws. Like he, he slings it in there. He's super tough. He's really smart. He knows how to stand in the pocket and deliver the football. He, like, he does like all the, all the things. Um, but he's just like not quite physically tooled enough, uh, up there to like make the really spectacular deep throws or make a great He's like run. a C minus at everything. Like he's just, he's a, he's a solid all around guy. So what's going to happen is he's going to be a backup for like Dallas. Dak Prescott's going to get hurt. He's going to have like two That's really because Brandon Whedon's my comp here. He's going to have two really <laughs> awesome games. And then some team's going to give him like $14 million a year. And then he's not going to do anything. Yep. It's going to be like the guy for Chicago um, that went, was in Tampa Glennon. Bay. Mike yeah. Glennon. It's going to be like Mike Glennon, like all over again. But I, I do like, Brett, Brett Rippin. And if I you're looking for depth, that's good. And if you want a guy who you could probably trade for a decent draft pick in three years. Yeah, like fifth, six, <laughs> as a fifth, sixth round pick kind of guy, like I think Brett Rippin's super solid. Uh, if you have to pick him in the third or fourth round, uh, then I'm starting to question it a little bit. Kevin, you go ahead, hit me. Well, nope, that's it. I covered mine. Okay, then let's go ahead and go to... Running uh, back? Let's let's go to running back. All right. This will be quick. Um, running back, I don't know under I think all these guys are kind of the same they I watched I watched a lot of running backs and I was just like yep these guys are all all right so what we're gonna do is we're gonna do um one guy we like just in general and one guy we would like on the Seahawks okay Kevin all right so give me your one guy you like so I am going to go with Daryl Henderson out of Memphis uh his physical tools are good um his production is really high this is a guy who can catch the ball well he can pass block solid he has uh the ability to kind of break off a big run but he's also elusive i think he is probably the most complete back in the draft that being said i don't think he's like an amazing back i think he's like a kareem hunt type where he does everything well enough to be an every down running back and do a solid job all right um, my um, guy, oh, steal in round three. My guy I like is Rodney Anderson. I Oklahoma love Rodney Anderson. Anderson. Oklahoma running back. I think he's really good. He does everything well. He's trash at blocking. His leg <laughs> fell off, and so people forgot he was really but good. But he's trash at blocking. Like, I cannot stress this enough. Um, he's going to be one of those guys who has to sit on third downs at the beginning of his career because he can't pass block. Like, he just can't. He just does not do it, or he's unwilling. I don't know, but he's just not good at it. But he's really good at everything else. He hits holes really well. He has great vision, good, ca- good catcher. Uh, pass catcher like I really like Rodney Anderson and I th- would love to see the Seahawks draft him with our like third round pick if we were like serious about getting a running back I don't think we are though I think we're I think we feel pretty set with Carson and Penny all right Kevin who's your guy you like on the Seahawks all right I want to give you two late late picks all right let's do it uh Jalen Moore out of Appalachian State had to sit out because he got hurt um he played very sparingly this year but he's a guy who's been really productive in the past and he can kind of do everything. Uh, he's not an experienced pass blocker, but he's a guy who can contribute as both a pass catcher and as a runner. My scouting report says very fast. Uh, Is that true? He's quick on the field. He wasn't able to run the um, 40 due to injury, yeah. but I mean, he looks fast on tape. 
And then the other guy is Darwin Thompson out of Utah State. Uh, he's a guy who isn't really getting a lot of looks because he was only a one-year player, and he's only 5'8". Um, he played for Utah State, so he's out of the way. Uh, home uh, of Seahawks legends Bobby Wagner and Robert Turbin. Oh, uh, Another Utah State running back in the mix. But the big thing is he was really productive in every single way. And when you watch him on tape, you see a lot of translatable skills. He just didn't get a lot of time to play. Like, he only played his senior year. All right. Um, guy like the Seahawks, I want a guy who can, like, kind of do everything okay um, that we can pick in the seventh round, right? That's what I'm, I'm looking for. So I'm, I'm going to go with Nick Brissett, um, the LSU running back. I think he's powerful runner. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He has the athletic pedigree. He didn't look super good at any of the senior day slash combine stuff, which killed his value down to the level where the Seahawks might actually be able to get him. But I think, and and I think that that's fine because I think when you watch him on tape, like he's 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 good. He he like balances through uh, the first contact. He gets some yards after catch. He's not like he has no breakaway speed. That's like the, what's going to hold him back from being like a four down, three down player in the NFL is he's never going to break like a 30 plus yard run. And but, it's hard to know what he does in the pass game because LSU's passing offense is weird. Right. But he did, but he did do really good pass blocking. That's, yep. that's part of why I think he'll be fine in pat in, in the pass game. So as like a Mike Davis replacement, you know, like playing a few first and second down snaps as a jumping in Asian, on, he could be a value. Yeah, I think Brissett is a guy we could get towards the end of the draft that I, I kind of like. All right, Eric, I know you like Miles Gaskin. This is your chance to talk. I, I saved Miles Gaskin because he was actually going to be one of my picks. But I, I appreciate it. I was like, Eric has a college guy he knows. What do you like about Miles Gaskin? Uh, what I like about him is, I mean, let's face it. We, we talk about this sometimes on the air, but I don't watch a lot of college football. So when it comes time to the, talk about the draft, I'm mostly silent. I listen a lot. I Google the names while you guys talk about it. <laughs> Just sitting over here like, ooh, this guy. Uh, Miles Gaskin is a guy that I got to see enough. Uh, I really like his speed. Yeah, he's he changes guy. he changes direction like yes he does really well. He uses his As, hips, including when he's, like cutting in the hole. Yeah, when he plants, he uses his hips, which is something you don't see a lot of running backs do. They just kind of lift the other leg up. He's got speed. He's got enough toughness. I think he's a perfect third down back for us. Uh, his blocking, like most college backs, needs work, but he's something I. It's something I think he can pick up at the pro level. Um, I just like Miles Gaskin. I don't know where he's going to fall, though. So it's kind of a pipe dream for me because I've seen him mocked on uh, to the Seahawks on one draft board. Uh, I've seen him on Minnesota. seen him to the Lions up high at, like, third round. Um, I don't know where he falls for us. So that's really up to you and whatever happens that day. Yeah. I think, you guys, to tell me. you got to kind of feel it out. Um, he could go anywhere. Like it's kind of He's, that thing. He has very uh, oily, oily hips. That's my. That's a scout talk thing that I wanted to say. Okay, yes. uh, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where I think that if we took him, it would be a jump, and I think someone will take him. Kind of like what we did with Rashad Penny last year. Some people will say it was a reach, but I think it will be good for whatever team grabs him. All right, tight end. Tight end is a position that the Seahawks will not draft. I'm just going to... This position is getting so much love in this draft, too. Yeah, this is like the position of these three that I think is actually good. Um, but but the, we're just pretty stacked up. And the way Disley kind of broke out in the early part of last season, I don't feel like this team's going to see tight end as not a Not to mention fan. Team. Yeah, and we got George Fan, <laughs> the greatest tight end who's ever lived. So... Um, Let's talk about another fan, Kevin. You you kind of led us into it. Noah Fan, uh, Iowa tight end. And uh, a lot of people love Noah Fant. What do they love about him? Uh, what they love about him is 
Uh, do you know like athletic stuff that football players do? Yeah. He does all those things really well. Uh, he runs really fast. But he, he also runs good routes. Like yeah, this he, is he runs like actual he runs an actual route tree. This is a dude. Uh, Noah Fant is an oversized slot receiver. Uh, if you would like to draft a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound slot receiver, you should draft Noah Fant. Um, he runs a four five forty. That is a good forty yard dash for an inside wide receiver. Uh, his three cone drill and his shuttle time are really good for an inside wide receiver. Um, this is an interior wide receiver who can block pretty decent. Yeah. Do you know who he reminds me of uh, from last year's draft? Is like a better Evan Ingram. Sure. Like a like a just a guy who's going to come in, probably play a lot more in uh, off the line than on the line. He's a little shorter and a little broader, which I think is going to make him a better blocker too. Yeah. Probably slightly. His future as a blocker is probably better, but tight end didn't ask him to block a lot because they had another tight end. Who uh, was, TJ Hawkinson, who was an excellent blocker, most complete tight end in this draft. Yeah, who's, who they'll probably get draft pretty close together, I think, within ten picks. Yeah, Noah Fant has really big upside. TJ Hawkinson is just he's going to come in and he's going to be like uh, Greg Olson or like Jason Witten, not necessarily have that long-term ability because you never know projecting 10 years of just that kind of productivity. But he's a guy who can come in and be an, an above-average blocker in the pass and run game and an above-average receiver, period. Are we talking about Fant or Hawkinson? Hawkinson. Hawkinson is the kind of player He has that, no skill that's worse than a C+. That when you watch him, you don't understand. You would just look at him. And it's kind of like the guard from last year, uh, Quentin Nelson. You're like, whatever team he goes to, he's going to be instantly good. He's going to instantly step onto the football field and be and be like an effective NFL player. Yep. Um, Plug so, and play. So, yeah, I mean, if he he's not going to be there at 21. But if we drafted a tight end and it turned out to be TJ Hawkinson at 21... Um, I'm super into that. I mean, sure. I'm like to- totally fine with that, even though it's not a position need at all because he's that good. He's a he's a, a, a special talent, and I think that if pe- the Patriots get him, I'm calling bullshit. Just just for the record, <laughs> if he slips to 31, he's not going to slip to 30. I know, but I'm just saying, if he does, I'm I'm calling it. This is some this is some Nick's Patrick Ewing crap right here. That's fair. Wow. That's, that's complete. <laughs> Kevin going 1980. Really fair, 45? but I mean, most people have Hawkinson going in the top ten or top fifteen, so we're not even going to have we're not going to have a shot at him. All right, the um, and, uh, you, and the, why is because when you watch the tape, you're like, oh dang, this guy is. Uh, well, I mean, we got a new Gronk. I hope he's a bro. Uh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> Kevin, is there anyone in the in the rest in of the draft round five or later that we might take? Because I mean, there's a lot of guys in here that are I think between good and very good, but is there someone that you have your eye on as like a, hey, this is a late-round guy the Seahawks could go for? I'm going to give you three dudes. All right. All right. So I, dude number one is Jay Sternberger Okay, out of uh, Texas A&M. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a guy who, because of the type of offense they had, he didn't really get an opportunity to do a lot his uh, first few years in the league. But he, it turns out that like when Jimbo Fisher showed up, he's a good route runner uh, who can catch on the run really well. Um, his run blocking isn't amazing, but as a pass catcher, he's an interesting guy. He kind of offers a different yeah. skill set. His strength numbers came in worse than people expected based on his size uh, at the combine, and it kind of hurt his draft stock a little bit. He went from a guy who I thought had a chance to be like a 
day two, day three pick to a guy who's probably going, uh, you know, round four, round five. He lost a couple of rounds, I think, in the in the combine, which is fine. That's that's the kind of guy we should be taking a chance on, right? We yep. Have, we have him. Uh, okay. Uh, if we want, instead of shading more towards a receiving tight end, if we want a dude who can receive pretty solid, but is one of the best blocking tight ends, uh, I like Drew Sample out of Washington. He's a guy who is a plus blocker and is capable of stepping in. I think he comps pretty well to his former teammate, Will Disley. They have a similar skill set. Yeah, he didn't stand out on for me because I actually watched a lot of Washington stuff this week. Um, so I could make fun of Jake Browning again if it came up, but it didn't. <laughs> um, but here's okay. the thing that held Drew but, Sample back. He had Jake Browning throwing to him. Yeah, seriously. But I just don't think he's going to be an a NFL caliber receiver. But he is a good blocker. I agree with that. He's 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 like I – don't, I just don't know if he can grow as like a – he needs to be faster. I think as a pass catcher, he's one of those guys where he can like block and then be like a safety valve release guy. Yeah. Like – he can get open as an emergency guy and maybe make a catch for six yards, seven but yards I mean, here or there, but he's primarily a blocking tight end. At the level of the Seahawks are looking at, he probably would be a decent fit because he could take over that George Fant role if Fant was an actual uh, right Offensive tackle. tackle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he could be, if he if he's there in like the sixth, seventh round, like it, that's a decent use of It's not as pick. fun to say throw it to sample, you cowards, as it is to say throw it to Fant, you cowards. No, but you can sample his passing fair. That's true. All right, one more. You said you had three. Uh, my last one was C.J. Conrad. joke too much. Yeah, C.J. Conrad, uh, Kentucky. C.J. Ronkett out of Kentucky. And he's a guy who, for some reason, it like, some people, before the draft process, people were into him. And now, all of a sudden, like, he's dropping down passboard, like, uh, draft boards. And I don't get why, because I didn't see anything in his test that was different than what I thought I was going to get. Like... He's like um he's he was solidly productive. He's a solid blocker. He's just a dude. He has really good hands. Yeah, like he, he's reliable. He can like he doesn't drop anything and he's going to like be like a he's the kind of guy who's a guy who like blocks good but then can get targeted in the red Zach zone. Zach Miller. Yeah, like just a red zone target guy. Like not he's probably not going to be breaking out for big catches like any of the other guys we mentioned before him and Sample, but the but the he just has a solid yeah. He's of, a lot like sample except he has really good hands and so i feel more sure of his ability to come with down with the ball in a contested catch so he's like he's like sample with sure hands all right then um you gotta do yeah uh i like zach gentry I just he's think, real tall i like zach gentry because he's a giant and he is really good at con- i love guys who are good at contested catches six eight everyone knows he's this. so tall i feel like it's it's a hole in my scouting game but if you can make a good contested catch i'm like and i see it on a youtube video i'm like that's my guy now so i was like <laughs> so I, you see zach gentry just like moss a guy and you're like okay well i i like you now um you're you're cool you're yeah, in my, you're, he can't run routes for anything nope. and he's only a mediocre blocker he but like he'll body you he hard. needs he needs the thing about him versus like Drew Sample is Drew Sample is like a seems like he's a finished product. Like I don't think he's gonna get Zach. I feel like Zach Gentry. There's upside. Like he could. I would he agree. Could improve and become a better player than he is now. I just think someone's gonna reach on him. It's possible, but I mean, I see him as like a sixth or seventh round pick. Okay, um, that's it. That's a that's quarterbacks, tight ends, running backs. Um, we don't think. Uh, final prediction. I don't think that any of these positions will be addressed in the draft directly, but maybe priority for agents, stuff like that. Uh, especially in le- unless we pick up a lot more picks. If we only have four picks, I would just be super surprised to see any of these be like a high priority position. 
Uh, Kevin, do you, what do you I think? I think we'll spend a draft pick on at least one of these positions. Ooh, I like it. That's a, Eric, you got to break the tie. Do the Seahawks spend a draft pick on running back, quarterback, and tight end in this year's draft? Yes. All right, there we go. So I'm on an island. And I got, I got bad news. Do not be surprised if we get a tight end. Uh, we have three good to NFL caliber tight ends on our roster right now. That's exactly why and we that's would not do including it. George Fant. It's, we'll it's <laughs> just something that's going to make Ed us Dixon angry. For a sixth and draft a dude. There you go. It could be something I, that absurd. I like Ed Dixon. What so he did I. last year made me think. Hey, you know what? Ed Dixon's a guy I like having on my roster. Yeah, he is really can, good at running for lots of yards after he, somebody makes a crappy tackle he, attempt. He was a lot faster than I thought he'd be, and I was like, oh yeah, he went to Oregon. That sh- I should have known that. Yeah, he was a, I, he was I like a better how he was exactly than he as fast as he was 10 years ago on the Ravens. Yeah. That was surprising. <laughs> he, he could move, man. And Vanette was solid last year, and Disley was excellent until he went got hurt. So yeah. Until I'd he lo- died, he was Love to good. see Disley continue to develop. Don't forget about Swoops. Oh. Rest in peace. I love how he had two right tackles. Oh. Our our second and third best offensive tackle were playing tight end last year yeah. in Disley and Fan. Kind of way it should Fan be. is so sweet, dude. Disley's a really good right tackle too. I'm just saying. Yeah, but Fan's better. Fan is like, Fan's my dude, man. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go so hard for George Fant this year. You guys don't are gonna get sick of it. So out. people who only listen in the summer, I'm sorry in advance. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna be bad. Sorry, not sorry. George y'all. Fant is he's totally my man crush now, and I just can't help myself. Okay. Uh, money's on. If you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little as $1, 24 cents a month. Oh, we picked up a new patron. I got it. Now I got to go to the patrons page. Uh, for as little dollar 24 a month, you can pick up, um, the pay, the in season, we make a lot of betting picks podcasts. And then out of season, we, uh, we post in there when we watch our movie together. Um, we didn't watch a movie together this week. We all went to the theater instead. Uh, so get, get pumped about that. But the, the um, right. So let's let's thank uh, our people here: Forrest, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, of course, uh, Bob, our new guy, Bob. Thank hey, you. Hey, hi, Bob. Bob. Chuckatilla, Karen, Brett, Mike, David, Keith, Arthur, Frank, and Michelle. Also, Nick. And then let me make sure. Um, Scott's new. So thank you, Scott. Thanks, Scott. And yeah, you guys are you guys are killing it right now. Maps, we are very close to a hundred dollars a month, and when we get there, we're gonna do like some kind of contest. So. We'll uh, do a thing. We'll do like a quiz competition. I'll put it on uh, Twitch or something. So, yeah. All right. And uh, if you are on the Patreon and you want to like just know whenever we are watching a movie together, uh, there's a link on the newest Patreon post that it says like rab.it. That's like a like what we use to watch the movies together. So you can just click that, follow me, and then and then you can get it every time we start. It'll like send ping you when it, when we start watching a movie. So that's another way you can do it. All right. Uh, you can also give us a like on Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, wherever you find your podcast, Google Play, Store, uh, Spotify. We're on everything now. But if there's some podcast app you use and we're not on there and you're finding this some other way, let me know because it's pretty easy for me to sign up for those. I just don't know. How. There's so many websites. There's just so many. That right. don't work together. <laughs> this week, we all went to the theater to see probably, I would say, our most hyped new release of 2019 and maybe my most second most hyped released of the 2010s behind jordan peele's last movie get out which i kevin can tell you i was from the from the word go i was so hyped for that movie yes um uh us us released this week it was the large highest grossing original movie since avatar so let's start with this did it deserve it who's going first i'm going first yes a hundred percent yes uh, thousand times yes, but let me I'll let you guys talk before I go too deep on it. 
so what exactly was the question? I was I was looking something up. There's, this was the highest grossing original film since Avatar. Does it deserve such high honors? Yes, for two big reasons. Uh, number one, it was a extremely strong writer-director coming off of a amazing like transcendent project and number two it is something we rarely get anymore which was a clever unique movie okay that wasn't a Shyamalan twist um i'll say yes for reasons kevin gave but also uh you know it didn't it didn't lose to its expectations okay from this point forward i'm not going to be shy about spoilers so oh. if you have are not seeing this, if you have not seen this movie yet, I'd recommend you turn that off. I think you should go to a theater immediately and see it. Um, because Can I give one quick plug before we before those people go, tune out? Go ahead. Um, so I walked out of the theater stuck between two scores. I wasn't quite sure if it was a three and a half or a four out of five for me. And over the last, uh, what I saw it on Saturday. So over the last four days. It has gone from not sure to extremely solid four that I can't stop talking to people about. So here's the thing that happened to me, Kevin, and this is why I love this movie so much. Uh, I came out of the theater with the same feeling. Like, is this a three and a half? Is this a four? And the more I thought about the movie and just recapped it in my head and thought about all the things that are and all the details and stuff, it went from a four to a four and a half. Like, it keeps going up. Like, this movie... There's a lot to unpack. This movie has so many cool things. So let's start at the beginning of the movie. Uh, Sorry, I told Eric before that I was like, because he goes, it seems like you're a little higher on this than Nathan. I'm like, I think Nathan's going to do a baby driver where he realizes his expectations were like no. a, a 13 out of 10. Here's your, but you're a little bullish on The further he gets away from the experience and the more he Here, thinks about it, the more he's going to enjoy his thought of watching the movie. Here's what It's a good theater experience. Here's what happened, okay, is this movie, when I left the theater, I thought of it, I was thinking about it as a straight horror movie. And as far as like a straight horror movie goes, it's a solid three and a half out of five. I think that that's like a completely fair score for it. Okay. But uh, I started to think about all of the things, the other things that are going on. The thriller, right? the commentary, the, the, the mostly the social commentary, the and science then, fiction and elements. Then the thing about Jordan Peele is he rewards you for paying attention to the details. And it, the more I got into the details, the more I love this movie. And so, there's so many details. This movie's layered as hell. Let's go. Let's just start with the beginning. Um, okay, so in, it's 1986. Uh, young young Adelaide goes to the boardwalk. She goes into the. Um, she she's with her drunk dad and her her mom, and his, they say, you know, don't get lost, honey. She goes into. Uh, she ends up at a house of mirrors, and in the house of mirrors, she sees Merlin's some, chambers. She's, no, it has no, a. It has that a, was not. It has it a really second one, the second one. Name. The second was right. They call vision it, quest. Yeah, or yeah something. they called it like something. It's like a it was Tonka's, vision quest. <gasps> Tatanka's vision quest, but then they changed it to Merlin's forest. In the future, because I racist. really appreciated that oh. little change because they changed literally nothing else about it except the name. So, um, but the <laughs> so so when Adelaide's in there, she sees like a doppelganger of herself, and then they show her in there. And she's like, she won't talk anymore. She has PTSD, and then we go to like a, a close frame of a rabbit, and then it's like you know playing this like really haunting music and zooming out, and there's just lots of rabbits in cages. Okay, uh, can I? Somebody pointed this out that I didn't realize. Do you know how many rows and columns of rabbits there were? Eleven. There were eleven rows, yeah. eleven columns. So eleven, eleven is like a recurring theme, and um, basically it's a Bible verse. And it, they, she sees a guy holding a Jeremiah eleven, eleven sign in the in this first scene of the movie. Uh, and there's he, so many of these little Easter eggs. He, in this movie. Uh, he eleven eleven um, 
is it basically says it's the thing that Rorschach said in Watchmen. You know, they will cry out for help, and I will whisper back no. Like it's it's that, it, it, but it's a Bible verse. So, mm-hmm. um, so it that's the whole theme of the movie. Is that the theme of the movie is is that there's this underclass that is dying for help, and this maybe this is true in the real world as well. And people choose to ignore it completely and not address it, and eventually there's ramifications for that. And the ramifications in the movie is is that. These people are coming with red jumpsuits and scissors to fucking murder us all. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, there's so many little details in this movie that are so cool, especially once you know, because the end of the movie ends with a twist, which is that... Um, we're just going to spoil the twist now because I think it makes talking about the rest of the movie easier. Uh, also, I want to say... Oh, go ahead and ruin it, and then I want to talk about the twist. Okay. So the twist is, at the beginning of the movie, when she sees her doppelganger, she doesn't just see her doppelganger. Her doppelganger chokes her out, drags her into the underground where there's copies of every person as some part of some kind of government experiment, and switches places with her. She stays, leaves, leaves Adel- the Adelaide from the underground and the underground, and t- goes up into the into the underground as Adelaide. Um, so yeah. the whole movie after the beginning, if you're somebody who loves these kinds of movies, you're sitting there every time something happens, you're going. I don't know, man. Is that like, did they trade places? And you're like, but I don't know if they did. There's... And so you don't like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm usually good at like sniffing this stuff out. Oh. I didn't know until the end for sure that they had swapped. But the whole time I was like, that's a thing that when they're did teasing. You know? when, did was you know? when they, when they gave it up. Really? But when until they... that point, I thought they were teasing it. When, when she were... growled after she, after she killed the guy. The, yeah, that, I'm sorry. Her, her, her double. That's when I knew. So Cause, okay, because the whole time you're thinking. I mean, we're all so, we're so all thinking about. There's it. so many clues, and I wasn't sure if Peel was saying that, hey, these people are the same even though they're different right. because of uh, nature versus nurture, or they actually switched. So I wasn't 100 percent sure. But like the first clue they give you is a really cool one, so I want to talk about it. So they're at the beach, um, and yes. and and, the, and someone throws a frisbee, and the red frisbee lands perfectly on a circle full of blue circles. And it, and it symbolizes the red, the person from down below, red jumpsuits, red circle among all the blue circles, because Lupita is among all the other people that are not from underground. And that's like the first clue. And there's so many details just like that one littered throughout the movie that are so cool that I just like, it, that it makes it like pretty incredible. Um, uh, can I talk about a different character? This is non spoilers. No. I want to talk about what Winston Duke was. We doing already in this spoiled movie. everything, so be spoilery. Well, I'm just saying. I want to talk about uh, not having to do with a spoiler. Mbaku. Uh, w- I knew you were going to say that. Everything Winston Duke is doing in this movie, great. I want more of it. Uh, in my opinion, he is playing John Candy's character from The Great Outdoors. If that character was trapped in a horror movie, he he, he has some of the, the he's he buys such a he buys a dad. shitty boat. <laughs> He, he makes so many dad jokes. He says, yeah, he says, you don't need the internet. You got the outer net. Yes. <laughs> That's like one <laughs> That's of his first lines. Literally a dad, the daddest uh, thing. They pull in all quiet because everyone's sleeping when he like gets there and everything. And he like quietly wakes up his wife and stuff. And then he turns to the back seat like kind of slow and quiet. And he just yells out like, we're here to the kids to like wake them up in the most obnoxious way. So many. What about when he, what about when he gets in the bed to try to get sexy? That part, I was dying. That was so so good. Yeah. But the thing is, the one thing about that scene that's really cool. Okay. Is that she's looking at the, at the window, but her reflection is unclear. And every time she sees her reflection is unclear until red comes from the underground and confronts her. After that point, she looks at herself in a mirror, and it's clear. It's like her she because the it reflects like the the dual nature is hiding, right? The du- the duality is hiding until 
the till Red comes up. God, there's so much um, in this movie. Cool thing about Red too, like she talks really weird, and you don't realize why until the end when you see like she got her throat crushed by getting choked to death. That's really cool. That's a really cool detail. She also um, is the only uh, of the underground people to legit talk. Yeah, because she's because the only one, she's the only one that was socialized at all. Yeah, she's the only one that uh, has any like English language training. Um, when she's explaining it, eating rabbit raw, and like they did some legit narration. Which normally I'm so show don't tell, but the way they did the narration didn't feel like they were narrating. It felt like she was airing her grievances to her doppelganger. Because it they, felt because, so genuine to the moment. Because here's the thing: is like the like right the the her central, resentment was the central, so strong. The central message of this movie is like, hey, you 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 don't have to push someone down to push yourself up. You yep. could you could work together and. That's what that's like what Red is saying. Which is to why they picked Hands Across America. Adelaide. Which is such a, a funny thing. Like that was the thing that I saw coming. Hands is so I, stupid though. But but I saw it coming it, and if you think about like campy. an eight or a nine year old, like that had to have been the biggest thing in her life at that point. Well she's wearing a hands across such America. Such a big deal. She's wearing a hands across America shirt when she got captured too. Right. So now she's clinging on to like the thing that's like the biggest thing ever to happen. So you're talking about this socially repressed uh girl who has never got a chance to socialize or anything after the age of eight or nine, and she's going, I need to make a big demonstration, what can I do? This is the only big demonstration in her head. This sim- is the only thing she knows about. The little sim- the symbolism of scissors is so cool too because, um, like you know, they're tethered together. They have, the to, tethered. They, have to, they have to cut themselves apart. When I she love does that. the paper doll at the end, um, that's badass. Yeah, the the scissors is cool. When she um, gives her the handcuffs and she says, "Tether yourself to the table." Yeah. That mm-hmm. was that was immediately like, "Oh, I get it." Yeah, she she the thing I liked about the every interaction between un, uh, Red and Lup- Red and um, Adelaide. Adelaide. Is is so different when you think about it through the lens of the, the her knowing and the for the cool thing too is there's lots of hints that her son has figured it out. Yep, like way earlier, but he but, but you don't piece it together until at the end. At the very end of the movie, he's like, and he figures it out early because he figures out that he can mirror the other version of him, and that the sparks on the burns on his face is probably from him playing with the fire toy because they don't have. Uh, they don't have uh, like a magic trick fire toy downstairs. They only have sharp things and evil things. So and he's so down there he's playing with matches. Constantly playing with this uh, magic trick that didn't work. That means that that kid was constantly playing like, with like matches, lighting and legit matches, fight, and, yeah, like yeah, lighting fire. fire. So, like it's like like there's so many cool details like that. And then Lupita, he like when, when when she when she like holds her arms out like this, and uh, when he holds her, and then starts walking backwards, and then like other kids start walking backwards, and Lupita looks at him and says, "You don't have to do this," and like. In the Adelaide character, and it's yep. like because she's tethered, she knows. And like when she like is so sad, looking at the the broken version of the tethered version of her daughter, and she's like, yeah, like th- like there's just so many neat little things like that that I think are are so cool. Um, oh man, uh, there's only a down escalator to to the or an, only an, a down escalator to the tethered area yep. because it's a lot easier to fall down into like despair than it is to climb your way back out. Like into that's just like so many things like that that I think are just so neat symbolism that Peel uses to like hook in his message of like uh, we're ignoring a big problem in this country. We have a lot of people who are are being really oppressed and we don't do anything about it to fix it. And the first people that they begin to associate with it uh, is the homeless guy. 
the homeless guy who's holding the sign when I... Yeah, he's like the first guy that gets murdered that we see. And then the, he gets murdered and then they have the guy on the beach and it freaks her out because it's a reminder of where she came from and she doesn't want to think about where she was nope. because she feels like she clawed her way she, out of it. She wants to leave. She wants to go to Mexico. She doesn't want to be in the country. She just wants to leave. Yep. She's like very clear about that. Like it's, I don't know. There's just a lot of, there's so many cool things going on in this movie and I just think it's. And then it's intertwined with the funny in this movie is genuinely hilarious. Crawdaddy. Yeah, the 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 boat uh, what, is crawdaddy. What about what about the other the other boat? Um, it's a uh, yes. biatch or whatever. Yes, <laughs> that that uh, whole, Tim Heidecker. The whole Tim Heidecker, uh, Kate Cat, uh, is a uh, Kate Moss. Kate Moss. Yes, uh, their their relationship that, is so perfect. No, it's Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth oh, I'm Moss. Sorry, you're right. When she's putting on the the lip gloss too, and she's got that look on her face, and then and she like looks out the window and she sees, or when she looks out the window, and sees text die, and then she's like laughing and laughing, and then all and then crying and laugh like it's like. The face acting in this movie from a lot of people is is top notch. Because the tier. people are playing their tether. And so when they play the the bizarro version of themselves, it is all physical acting. And you have to figure they're doing this against like a green screen or someone who's supposed to be them. Um and again, like the when they're comparing their kill count for who gets to drive, yeah. I killed myself and I killed Tex. And I- yeah, the Jason William, uh, Jason Wilson, Pluto actor Evan Alex, I think is like low key puts in an excellent performance, like one of the best child acting performances I've seen in quite some time. Uh, I thought he was really, really good in the movie. Uh, I thought Shahadi was really good too, the daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the so I was in a really good audience for this. Me too. Like the whole audience was super into it when she uh, when she takes off running. And goes to, and she's, uh, like, you know, she tells her to run, and you know, like, as soon as the, uh, the, uh, daughter takes off running, you know it's gonna be, like, some T2000 stuff, where the other daughter's just gonna be able to run with no problems. In your theater, when she stopped running, did your theater, like, lose their shit? They lost it. (laughs) And then, like, you saw her creep behind the car. This is what I liked. There weren't cheap scares in this movie, because if you're watching, you saw every scare coming. And so, uh, then they're doing this thing where they're walking around the outside of a car where she's trying to keep the car in between them. And then all of a sudden, like the, uh, the tethered version ducks. And so then she like can't see her. So she's trying to figure it out. So she lays down on the ground and looks and she can't see her tethered version's feet. Our audience lost their shit. Cause you knew that like, you're like, this, the daughter's going to die. The daughter's going to die. And then you hear her jump on the roof. And it was just, there were so many of these little freak out moments that were beautiful. Yeah, so. The twins with the whole Shining vibe mm-hmm. was so good. Uh, they made the song Good Vibrations creepy as hell. Yep. Much appreciated. Uh, the 14 minute wait time for the police. Because when shit went down, they couldn't rely By on By the them. way, when she said her address, when she said her address for the house, is, is um, the address was 2311. Yep. Which is 1111. I thought that was cool, too. I, if you, like, really want to find 1111s in this movie, they're everywhere. The Black Flag logo, he used it on multiple t-shirts. The Black Flag logo looks like 1111. Yep. Um, just, like, so many 1111s in this movie. Oh, man. And um, then I... So after that, then they have the, when they ask the, uh, to call the police and it plays fuck the police, uh, kind of that whole, like, 
you know, when everything goes to hell, you can't rely on these things. No, you you can't rely on society to society's uh, like safety net to save you. You got to save yourself. Yep, that was done in a really clever way, and just the sound in this movie. It has now become a thing. I now expect every Jordan Peele movie to have excellent sound, excellent soundtrack, excellent sound mixing. Michael because, a- Michael Abel's score for this movie is is really really good. If this movie um, gets um any uh award season love it should be in the audio department i think, I think it's i think this is i think lupita, audio. lupita could get an acting nod she I think could lupita she was, phenomenal in the movie. she was she carries this movie hard she's so good all right she's a standout in a standout I feel like we ran over eric in this so eric I'm thank you sorry you, i'm gonna give you your time i'm, just, I'm so excited I'm <laughs> i know excited. i know but i'm just like at this point i could have stayed home uh <laughs> so i like the movie quite a bit um, I don't, I'm not super high on it. Like the symbolism's there. Uh, I appreciate that. I really love the message. Here's my issues with the movie. Uh, why I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I really enjoyed it. The hands across the America, hands across America at the end. Uh, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, it's, it's campy. You, right? you said it was campy. It's just, it's kind of there. I don't really, I don't really understand. I, I know why he put it in, but I don't know why he put it in. Um, the, underground people i thought that could have been handled better you're telling me that when we're on a roller coaster up here there's people down there acting like they're on a roller coaster i hated that that was so unsettling to watch them though but shout, was, out, shout it, out to my guys in the closet roller coaster though <laughs> <laughs> it didn't it didn't look cool it didn't make sense um like as soon as you see the first moment of them being like an underground uh, society and you see the when she wanted the uh you know the the carnival prize that was excuse me that was unsettling and then a bunch of scenes after that i was like that's not unsettling that's dumb oh man i felt the opposite but i respect that i just i thought it was dumb i thought it was it went from horror to sci-fi to sci-fi that felt forced um honestly i felt like this cake is i'm sorry this cake this movie is your favorite cake but that cake is a sheet cake on a piece of parchment and you have to carry it to the table, uh, from the ta- from the kitchen to the table. And as you get to the table, the corners fall off. It just starts breaking apart because it's it's a giant sheet cake on parchment paper. That's how I felt about the movie. It was really good, but I didn't think the ending held together very well. Still very delicious. So I have one thought that I want to implant in your brain. Um, the Hands Across America thing. Yes, it's a little bit cheesy. By a little bit cheesy, I mean a lot cheesy. It's my what, least favorite thing about the movie. So what makes sense oh, to so me I'm about this... I'm older than all you guys. I know what Hands Across America was. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay. Right, so what was it? What do you mean? The, it's, it's a, it's a, it was a joining thing. Well, no, 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 no. In the end, what was the result of Hands Across America? What do you... Oh, I don't... Historically, I couldn't tell you. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. And that's the point. It's this big, grandiose gesture that took a lot of organizing that was supposed to address hunger in the case of Hands Across America. So how does that really fit the ending of the movie? You're addressing a giant class struggle, but in the end, it's this giant, grandiose, meaningless gesture that doesn't change anything. The fact that they did Hands Across America isn't going to make any difference. And that, I thought, was the the point. 
So now the tethered are still just as screwed. So it doesn't matter that they organized. It doesn't matter they put yeah, this effort in. Still, uh, in the end, it was nothing. They're out of the underground. So I think but that they're just gonna But they're just going to get murdered because they're considered the Which evil Which I did twin. like the, the, uh, the helicopters. I kind of got the feel that there weren't tethered in the helicopters. There well, were shadows was, that in the helicopters. Chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the movie. I just felt like there were moments that made me go, oh, no, I don't, I don't, want, I don't like that. That's all I got to say about it. Um, as far as acting goes, uh, I, I agree. Uh, I'm so bad at saying her name. Naopita Nuango. Uh, she, she, if she doesn't get a Best Actor nomination, I think she's screwed. Uh, and that's just saying because I know Judy Dench will get one for whatever movie for she farting. hasn't made yet. Yeah, for farting. Um, you know, I you can't tell me that there's going to be a performance that is better than this all year. It's a dual performance. Both characters, <clears throat> as I'm doing my impersonation of her because of my throat, um, both characters she plays are different and well-acted, great characters. Uh, I'm just going to go on record now. I want her to get a, a Best Actress nomination. And Tim Heidecker, in kind of serious role of the year, uh, just if you have watched any Adult Swim, he's like the king of stoner comedy, and it's pretty dumb. And to see him in his friend's movie, uh, it was kind of like a, a refreshing twist. They've been they've been getting him in getting him into movies lately too. Like he's been in a couple things lately. He was in Ant Man and the Wasp too. Yeah, he was. Like they they've been getting him. In, he's been getting some some decent roles, you know. So I like Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men. She was she was a perfect like likable, unlikable uh, buddy's wife. Yeah, they were both terrible people, and they deserved each other. It was great. Um, all right, so. Uh, I don't really have anything else I think I need to say about this other than, like, well, you know, run, don't walk to go see it, because it's definitely worth your time. Yeah, I, I don't think it was as good as Get Out, but this movie is probably going to be my top ten of the year, just about for sure. Uh, Get Out is in, like, my top five of the decade. So that's, like, too high of a bar. Yeah. All right. Eric, any last thoughts? No, we're no, good. we're good. All right. So for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks! Go Hawks!